Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of Myths and Stories. Uh, tonight we are continuing our series on the Awoken, uh, the series that never ends, it seems. Uh, but we're we're here for it. We're having a fun time. Uh, and say so tonight we are going to be discussing um, the events leading up to and maybe immediately after one of the main conflicts of the Taken War for anyone that played in D1 and is familiar with the Taken King expansion. Some of this is going to sound a little familiar, uh, but hopefully you'll learn some things you didn't know beforehand. Uh, so uh, to do a, a little a little recap on where we were with our last episode. We talked about the Oracle engine. Uh, we talked about uh, Aldrin primarily. It was uh, Aldrin and Julian and their adventures uh, within the Black Garden and surviving it, coming out of it, how it changed them, what it did to them, um, and how different Aldrin came out of that experience being. Uh, and then we talked about the creation of the Oracle engine within the Dreaming City, uh, quite literally, at the the, the handiwork of uh, Keldawaj, um, and what we are suspecting are uh, the Nine. So, with all of that in mind, all of these great adventures the Awoken have already gone on, uh, and that Mara has already put into action in one way or another, and the the war they've already fought with the fallen at this point and aldrin braving the black garden uh our very first reading tonight uh is actually going to be a little bit of a flashback um and it, it's written that way in game even uh so the one we're starting with tonight is uh titled tyrannicide part 1 uh, from the book, The Awoken of the Reef. And this one goes like this. Mara's death began in this mark. Later would come Eris Morn, Osiris, Toland, and all the other accessories of the majestic suicide. Later would come the reef's tentative entanglements with Vex and Cabal, fallen and hive and the fateful decision to intervene when the house of wolves turned earthward to conquer the last human city later there would be stories here untold the ahamkara and the sub-creation of the dreaming city the shatterstone fury of the reef wars brother aldrin's journey into that fell garden and great sweeping plots whose beginnings and consequences have been entirely expunged for the sake of elegance here is where the beginning began at that moment when mara bolted awake from the dream her circle of techians lay with her in the misty winter cold chamber and they came back groggily, their augments stuttering with resync. She had dreamt a thought of absolute simplicity and perfection, and the thought had become a tooth and had bitten her. It had left a wound shaped like an X. Mara seized a pane of crystal paper, flashed it rigid and receptive with a touch, and wrote, 
I dreamt of a sword and a bomb. I dreamt of the self-honing blade that has cut itself so fine it pierces the world and thus becomes the world. It is self-honing because it constantly wets itself against itself. I dreamt of death bearing this blade, or of something so closely allied with death as to be its synonym, so that to separate them would require a knife sharper than sharpness. Death raised up that blade and said, I cut all, and all I cut, I ought. When death cut the bomb, and the bomb was broken and could not fire, I was the bomb. I knew that death was the cut verb, and that its only verb was to cut. Shapes and gliders, I dreamt of existence as a game of cellular automata. In this metaphor, there were only two things, shapes in the game world and the rules of the game world. The rules were the rules of life and death. I understood that the sword was the desire to escape existence as a shape in the game and to become the rule that made the shapes. This rule said only, live or die. It had no other outputs. It could not keep secrets. Against it was the desire to become a shape so complex that it could, within itself, play other games. What will soon be? I dreamt that that the sword that was death and rule sought out complexity and cut it to reveal the simplicity within. I knew that soon we would be cut, for we were complex and full of secrets. I knew that it was coming. I knew that the stroke would fall and that I had to stop it. How can a bomb make use of a sword? How can the rule that separates life from death be killed? I must go to the Dreaming City and use the Oracle Engine, Mara told her Techians. Prepare my ship. So that's the end of that chapter. And we're going to pause because <laughs> there's a lot of explanation there. <laughs> there really is. There's, like, it's, there's a lot of metaphor being thrown out here, but there's a lot of like, once you once you have a, a better understanding of, of the lore in general, you kind of see what's going on here. So obviously the first like whole half of this is just this this is kind of like a quick blip. I mean it's literally everything we've covered. Um talks about uh entanglements with Vex and, and Cabal and Fallen and Hive in the reef. When they first get back, the House of Wolves turning earthward to the last city and them shutting them down. Uh the Ahamkara being discovered, the Dreaming City being formed, the Reef War, like all of this journey, Aldrin's journey into the garden, everything that we've covered has has is is in that first paragraph, which kind of it kind of makes me laugh because like we're you 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 talk about how like this is like the never ending story <laughs> being the story of the Awoken, and Mara just summed it up in like I don't know ten <laughs> sentences or less, <laughs> and I'm like Mara, come on man, we got to create content here. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, and then so she wakes from this dream, and and she talk she keeps talking about this sword, the sword and the bomb. So, to me, this is this is the two logics of the world, like the sword being sword logic and bomb being bomb logic. The most sword logic being the most simplistic thing, and we've talked about that 
a bunch throughout our entire uh, coverage of, of the, the Books of Sorrow and, and the Hive, so we kind of know where that comes from. Uh, and then the bomb logic, which is to be the opposite of that, to be the most complex thing. But then it goes, it, it just goes crazy throughout here. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, the the beginning of this talking about that summary of of what we've already talked about, uh, it's essentially setting up that this scene that they're talking about happened before most of the events we've we have discussed up to this point. Like, obviously, they were in the soul system, but um, you know, this this is all before the House of Wolves, before. Uh, you know, Mara has met any of the other people from Soul System, you know, Eris and, and Osiris and Toland and whatnot. Because uh, it's saying later those things will happen. But gotcha. this moment was the beginning of the events that we see unfold, both in the lore and in one of the cinematics during the Taken King. Uh, so Mara, I dreamt of the sword and the bomb. Absolutely the two logics. There's the sword logic, which. You know, like you said, we've discussed at length in the Books of Sorrow, essentially the survival of the fittest on a cosmic scale. Uh, Whatever is supposed to exist will prove that it can and should exist by killing everything else. That's it. Uh, The logic of the bomb being kind of Mara's own uh, invention, I... she it's i i definitely it's see it the that thought that well she's the first one i i recall ever mentioning it in the lore she she might be the only one that ever talks about it so i maybe I so. absolutely think that she is the inventor of bomb logic and and only only because of this series of events here right like only because of this dream is she the inventor of bomb logic and only because she sees the sword logic and tries to figure out well what do i do against this and I think that's where she comes up with that idea of bomb. Yeah, logic. and and her kind of uh, idea of what bomb logic is is you know where a sword is simplicity, cutting things away until you get to the simplest thing, um, which is a sem- essentially like do you exist or do you not exist. Uh, the bomb is the opposite. It is complexity. It is maybe one individual piece on its own isn't strong or can't prove itself. But when it is, uh, when that piece is put into part of this bigger mechanism, that mechanism is, you know, strong enough to hold its own against the sword, to usurp the sword. Uh, And it's essentially the idea. I, I think what she's getting at here is uh, with the the shapes and gliders bit is you have the world of killer be killed or you have the world of creating cities and societies and uh, relationships that are not reliant on killer be killed that can have their own intricacies and then when combined all together they make this one intricate bomb that will be stronger than that killer be killed desire. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting too. Cause I, when I, when I was listening to you read that and, and even reading back over it here, 
it 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 she says I dreamt of an existence as a game of cellular automata. In this metaphor, there are only two things: shapes in the game world and the rules of the game world. I mean, to me, that's like she's dreaming of the of the the garden, right? I think you take that a couple ways. It could absolutely be the garden. Um, if we take it at a more like philosophical look, uh, she may be she may be doing a little bit of fourth wall breaking here, um, like we've seen Nahamkara oh. do. I. Uh, you know, the game exists of shapes, pixels, uh, and the rules of the world, whatever the engine is for that. Uh, so cute. we could, yeah, That's we could cute. see it that way. You could also say that the shape uh, of our world, you know, everyone is just, uh, everything is just a bunch of, you know, tiny uh, vibrating atoms. And like technically... Yeah. Yeah, when you look at yourself or look at somebody else, it's just in a shape, an interpretation of that particular combination of tiny vibrating atoms and the rules, physics of the universe they're in. So you could take it that way too. Uh, she's being very, you know, philosophical about it. Perhaps I was going to say there's there's not a little <laughs> there's not a lot of like hard sentences here. The only the only hard definitive things is what she refers to as death bearing a blade and this thing that she thinks of as death or being so allied so closely allied with death as to be its synonym says to her i cut all and all i cut i ought and that is that is straight up high yeah that is i mean i ought that's that's like high that we talked about that in the book star too where i ought is like this word that's um i think of it as like the roman like let it be written so let it be written mm-hmm. so let it be done yep. is 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 the way i look at that yeah. um and that's very much the hive that's that's hive and not not only is it hive but uh very much like the sword that was death and rule uh is she she's referring whether she knows it or not she's referring to oryx in this case I was going to ask: Is this a is this a reference to Oryx himself, or is this a reference to Crota? No, this is definitely a reference to Oryx. Um, okay, and Willbreaker, right. right? That's his. That's, that's, his, that's sword. his sword. And the reason I say that is because uh, while Crota was, you know, accomplished as a uh, 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 purveyor of massacre. Um, he doesn't hold a candle to Oryx. And if we're talking about someone that is, if we're talking about someone that is synonymous with death, uh, Oryx, and I suppose Shivu, perhaps, um, have been conquering and destroying civilizations for millennia at this point. Yeah. Uh, there is, I, you know, might be an overstatement, but I feel like you could be pretty confident in saying Oryx has killed the most things in the universe, period. <laughs> I, I'd say that's a pretty accurate statement. I mean, because when we talked about his timeline, like, by the time he gets to Soul System, that's a billion years. Yeah. Like, and that's not like an exaggeration or anything. It says in the in the lore... It it has been a I've traveled the universe for universe for bill for a billion years, so yeah, it's like 
Yeah, they, yeah. And then the the other hard thing here, or, or concrete thing, I guess, is is uh, uh, where was it? What will soon be? I dreamt that the sword that was death and rule sought out complexity and cut it to reveal the simplicity within. That to me is very much like she sees death coming. She sees Oryx oh, yeah. coming, which is which is why she kind of is in a panic now to get to the Oracle engine and ask these two questions. And these two questions, I think, are going to kind of be the center of of our entire talk tonight. Um, how can a bomb make use of a sword? And how can the rule that separates life from death be killed? So th- this is uh, this is absolutely a premonition. This is absolutely a uh, similar to Sheer. I think Mara has seen the vision of her own death at the hands of. I think so too. You know, this this sword, um, at at the hands of Oryx, and uh, so she's trying to figure out how how do I use this to my advantage. Uh, she she knows about something that's coming. And now her thought process is not necessarily how do I stop this, but it's how do I make sure that this plays out to my benefit. That's that, and that's always been her thing is like how does how does how can I use this situation? Like even if it's a bad situation or or a, a losing situation, how can this how can I use this situation in a way that will benefit mm-hmm. me? At some point in time. So she tells her Techians, who apparently were all sleeping in the same room. Uh, and I guess that that's a little unclear. I don't necessarily think this is just a dream that Mara like had. I, think, I so think she either. was perhaps doing some sort of ritual with her Techians specifically to, to peer into the future, maybe. Um, I think so. At least that's the vibe I get. Because it says like they... It, it says that they wake groggily, like, yeah. Her circle of Techians lay within the. So, like, the vision I get is her, like, on a platform, and the Techians literally circled around, like, in a ritual kind of way. Um, is Absolutely. is at least the mental picture it paints for me. Um, yeah, but yeah. So she decides the very next thing she needs to do though is the need to go to the dreaming city and i need to use the oracle engine which we talked about in the previous episode uh is a device used to kind of divine situations and learn secrets about things uh as well we've seen it used in a lot of ways communication uh transportation and now um uh, true to its name, prophecy. Yeah. So we come to Tyrannicide Part 2 in the Awoken of the Reef book, uh, where we see what happens when she asks these questions of the Oracle Engine. And it goes like this. Ten times and once more, Mara asked the Oracle Engine to show her the sword that was death and the way it would appear. Ten times and once more, the Oracle Engine showed Mara an image of her family. First, it showed her Sheer Ido, laughing and bright with strength, who would recede and later return. Then it showed her Aldrin, her brother, who explored the ruins of the fallen worlds and sought out challenges to test himself. 
Then it showed Mara her own face and lingered on the secret brightness of her eyes. Last of all, leaving Mara imperious with disdain towards her own feelings, curtly aloof toward all who asked her what troubled her, it showed her Osana, who had remained behind. Mara dwelt on this puzzle. A mother who had remained behind, a sister with secrets, a brother who hunted and explored, and a woman who was plain and fierce. She understood then that the answer to her question lay within herself, and that to defeat what was coming, she would need a perfect understanding of herself. Isolation would be her watchword, for an isolated system is easiest of all to understand. First of all, Mara went into the gardens and planted a flower for her mother, who she thought must still live, though she might by now have forgotten her first daughter and her first son. Mother, she said, I asked to be your sister rather than your daughter, and so I denied you the chance to tell me your secret the mother truth that is mapped in the negative space defined by the lies mothers tell their daughters. Well, here are my secrets. I love you. I've always loved you. Without you, I could have never been anything at all. Then she went to speak to her brother, but Aldrin was away on Mars, and she found only his empty chambers, the half-sharpened knives and rack of pistols, she knelt in grief and touched her hand to the floor where his pacing boots had scuffed the asteroid stone smooth. This was the shape of their siblinghood now, the pursuit of absences. Last of all, Mara went to Sheer Ido. Sheer was making a list of incredibly stupid and fatal tasks to post on a guardian bounty board. I want to tell you the truth. Mara said. Ask me a question. If you take any positive integer and have it, if it's even, but triple it and add one if it's odd, and you repeat this process forever, will you eventually reach one? Shir Ido demanded. Shir, my faithful wrath, Mara said, please take my openness seriously though I'm sure Ilian could answer your math problem. Okay, Shear looked at her curiously. Then here's my question. What's gotten into you? Why are you acting like this? Can we walk? Mara asked her. And that's technically the end of that card. Uh, so we're going to pause there and talk a little bit about, about this. I I like the I like that the Oracle engine is very much like Ahamkara. It doesn't really have a direct answer. It's it's I I, I want to say the Oracle engine itself is almost alive. I mean, we already know what it's made of. It it is internally it is the singularity of Keldawaj having collapsed into a, its own singularity that the whole nine and all that crap did to her, um, encased in a housing of some sort. Uh, but it, like 
the fact that it 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 doesn't give her a direct answer. Like she just straight up asks, like, "Hey, show me the sword that was death and how it would appear." Like, just give me a straight answer, straight prediction. And the oracle injured gives her all these images, and so she she keeps thinking of these images that it's showing her, and so she she turns inward, right? Like she at at the end of all this, she kind of thinks like, okay, well, it, if it's if it's constantly showing things that are related to me or that are a part of me, the answer that I'm seeking must be within me, or or some somehow I I am the answer. Or somehow I can come up with the answer to this problem, and so then she explores she explores that on her own. So it's it's interesting that that the Oracle engine doesn't really I don't want to say it doesn't really do anything, but it didn't really do anything. You know, it just kind of kind of like was like, hey, here's some images and stuff, and Mart like left it up to Mars interpretation of what to do, and so that's what she does. It is interesting though that all of the people that it shows her uh, have a, a single common thread. And that is, be it by, you know, fate or be it by their own decisions or be it by Mara's decision. These are all people that abandon her in some way. Um, Ooh. Yeah, and I never thought of it from that. Maybe it's not. Maybe abandons not the correct not the correct word. Um, Osana chose to stay behind at the distributary. Um, Sheer certainly doesn't choose to leave, but leaves regardless uh, of someone else's power. Um, but although they say here again and later return, implying she's not gone. Gone. I was. I was going to ask about that. Like that was the one thing that kind of really stuck out about me, to me about this whole part was that laughing bright with strength who would recede and later return. I mean, are, are we like, is she dead? Is she not dead? Make up your mind. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty definitive. She's not dead in the literal, in, in the, the classic sense. Uh, we don't know yeah. exactly what yeah. she is, but she's not dead, dead. Um, but the, the other one being Aldrin, who, uh, you may think it's, it's odd to, to think of him abandoning Mara, um, when, you know, his whole character is around trying to impress her and do things for her. But I, I don't think that's necessarily that he's abandoning her. I think that's that she has chosen to abandon him in a lot of ways. And I not really given him a choice you know she has made him uh have some form of abandonment because he's always off trying to find things to impress her uh so it's a little more subtle i suppose um yeah but you know it's it's one of those like when you when you cut someone off you're also kind of forcing them to cut you off whether they want to or not. I uh, Oh, sure. It's like a it's like a like an indirect abandonment. Like kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I could see that. I could see that. So, these are all people that are either have left or will leave her, and it is interesting that with that theme, she ultimately decides 
that she needs to isolate herself. Uh, and, and maybe that was what she pulled from this is that the Oracle engine is telling me to pay attention to all of these people that are no longer in my life or will no longer be in my life. Maybe that means I, I need to be alone to survive this, whatever this coming thing is. And I, I do like that, that thought of isolation, right? Where she says, Isolation would be her watchword for an isolated system is easiest of all to understand. I, I, that to me is thinking in like a mathematical or a scientific mind, right? Like a, you know, if, if I can isolate a variable, I can, I can better understand this variable. Or if I can isolate this element, I can better understand this element. You know, like I, I, I like that thought. So I, I think she's thinking of herself in the, in this big grand equation of sword and bomb, uh, you know how how can I how can I define myself? How can I better understand myself? Well, if I isolate myself from everything around me, I can create a a controlled variable, basically, or a controlled something that I can then study and and get a better understanding of. Yeah, and I I think her going through and doing these things, you know, planting the flower for Osana and and telling her her secret that she actually had love for her mother, although she never showed it, um, and trying to find uh, Aldrin and then successfully finding Shear uh, to, to start a conversation with her. Um, these are all ways, I think, of her letting those people go in, I think in so preparation for her self-isolation. Um, yep. And, yeah. You know, the you you pointed out, uh, she says, isolated system is the easiest of all to understand. That's because an isolated system is less complex. I think she's getting oh. herself in the mindset a little bit of the sword logic so that she can come to understand okay. it and utilize it against this coming calamity. Okay. Okay. I like it. Oh, yeah, I like it. Well, then she she says <laughs> their interaction with Sheer was the <laughs> yeah. So it's it really is hard not to laugh during some of these because when she was like making a list of incredibly stupid and fatal tasks to post on some guardian bounty board, <laughs> like because you know some stupid guardian's gonna go for it if there's loot involved. And then she asks us, you know, can I ask you a question or ask me a question? And she comes up with this. If you take any positive integer and have it, if it's even, but triple it and add one, if it's odd, and you repeat this process forever, will you always eventually reach one? What? <laughs> this is purely sure. Just like taking the piss. Uh... I think so. Like... <laughs> And then, and then Mara's just like, okay, I love you, but please listen. Yeah, this, this is serious talk time. This is not be a jackass talk time. If you want to be a jackass, you can go talk to Ellen. She can deal with your math problems. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. That, and then that, uh, I think that leads us directly into the next one. It does. Uh, it does. So, the uh, the very next card that we're going to go over uh is surprise tyrannicide part three um 
and this is a direct continuation of two. It is uh, Mara and Sheer having this conversation. Um, it's a conversation that we've kind of seen before. Uh, we've seen Mara have this this talk with somebody else, uh, and we'll we'll see how if it goes any differently. So this one goes like this. Mara and Sheer Ido go out into space and kick off the hull, wearing Corsair skin pressure suits and slim tethers. The stars circle them like hard-focus candles, like the diadems of a trillion dancers. Sheer Ido pulls herself close and touches helmets with Mara. We're alone. What's happened, Mara? You've always been... uh... Private? Mara suggests. Mysterious and reclusive, I was going to say. A sword can be part of a bomb if the sword strike is the detonation mechanism, Mara says. It's impossible for a cellular automata game to change its own rules, but it is possible to create sub-games with their own rules, and for those sub-games to yield advantage in the master game. That's cool, Sheer says. You know, when you talk like that, what you're actually saying is, I don't want anyone to understand me, but I want them to understand that they don't understand me. Yeah, Mara admits, and then, hoarsely, she makes herself say, Sure, I have a secret. This thing I did, and... I don't know if anyone can know it without hating me forever. I had a secret too, Sheer reminds her. The thing I did. It's nothing compared to mine. Nothing at all. Having had some long experience hating you, and then having given it up, I think it would be hard for me to go back. Sheer's strong hand settles at the small of Mara's back. They twirl on, upward, rotating around a point between them, their thousand-kilometer tethers slowly unfurling. Do you want to tell me? No, Mara says. But I think I have to. Okay. Your Majesty, what did you do that made Alice Lee throw blackberry tea in your face? I was first, Mara says, and she explains the missing half, the first half of the sentence. I made the rules and the initial conditions that deceived her into believing she herself had decided. It ended like that, where the rest picks up. Shiraido looks at her in expressionless silence. Shiraido's hands stroke the seam between Mara's skin suit and the glassy petals of her helmet. Long ago, this woman betrayed her oath and went to serve the Dicerum, a woman who cried out in anguish at the curse of physicality and the possibility of suffering. Long ago, this woman threw away her whole life to punish the highest crime she could imagine, the denial of transcendent divinity to those who might have claimed it. You're the devil, Shir says. You're the lone power who made death 
you allowed the possibility of evil. You might be responsible for more preventable suffering than anything that has ever existed. Mara cannot shake her head or even nod. Well, Shir says, if you hadn't, none of us would be here. I guess I don't see what else you could have done if you cared about those we left behind. If you wanted us to be able to go back and help in the fight, she leans forward and very gently kisses the inside of her helmet where it meets Mara's in her mind. In her mind, in that place that is bound to all other awoken, Mara feels the touch of gentle lips. Shearer looks suddenly sly. You know, Mara, I don't think you could have confessed anything, anything at all, unless it were a way of keeping a deeper secret. What's really going on? There are many ways to godhood, Mara tells her. The belt of Orion glitters on her helmet like a three-star rating left by some hive entity Sheer once killed. One way is to kill all that is killable, so all that remains must be immortal. Another is the road I have walked, mostly by accident. One of these ways is closer to the sword, and one is closer to the bomb. If the bomb can defeat the sword by the standards of the sword, then the bomb has claim to primacy. Never mind, Sheer sighs. Seen anything cool on Crow Surveillance lately? And that's where they end that card. Wow. I just... Wow. I... I this... This... Huh. Huh. This card leaves me speechless every time. Uh... Yeah, it. I, 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 Myth, you want to break this down? I'm having problems with words right now. <laughs> the only thing I can focus on right now is literally like you're the devil, and 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 the only reason why I think like it's it's interesting because she she finally asks the question, right? What did mm-hmm. you do that made Alice Lee throw blackberry tea in your face? And of course, Mara answers it in full detail, doesn't even like leave any bit of it out. And Sheer says the exact same thing that Alice Lee says You're the devil. But not necessarily in this like, I hate you for it kind of way, but like, more of like you're the devil in the fact that you created death in par- and and this this is where I'm going to kind of like I'm I'm going to I'm going to kind of dive off of this a little bit into uh um uh, in into a religion sense. So if we think of the story of heaven and the story of paradise uh Lucifer is a fallen angel and he is the reason that death exists. And so I think that is where Sheer is coming at from... She's looking at it from that point of view, right? She's not thinking of, like, you're an evil person. Like, everything you have done has ever has been evil because you've denied, you know... You, the, the preventing... Suffer, to, to be responsible for, prevent, for more preventable suffering than anything that's ever existed. Basically saying, like, 
you know, if we if you had just made us gods, we would have been fine. You know, they, everything would have been fine. We wouldn't have had to go back. Like there would have been no the Odyssey War. There would have been no Diaserum. You know, the, none of that shit would have happened back then. We wouldn't have come back through the portal. We wouldn't have to deal with all this crap on the reef. We wouldn't have to deal with all this suffering back here in the soul system. But if you hadn't have done that, none of us would be where we're at right now. None of us would have existed. Like we we could have just all been killed. You know, all those years ago on the on the Exodus Green, when the darkness enveloped them, and Mara could just said, "No, screw it, kill us all." Like we, I want to go back to help uh, to help those on Earth, but you know, everyone on the ship doesn't. So since I'm the closest thing to it, I'm just going to say boop and kill us all. But Mara didn't. Mara did something that drove the people. Uh, drove the awoken people while they were in the distributary to want something more to to not necessarily desire godhood like to to even have some sort of decision of going back and helping earth and so i think sheer again i i think sheer is not necessarily looking at this and and calling her the devil is like you know you you evil witch get get out of my face get the hell out of my life is more of a like almost like stating a fact like if 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 you are anything you are the devil because you created the amount of the the <sighs> you you allowed the possibility of evil you allowed the possibility of death so but again her turning back on that and going you know that that sucks but you know you you cared about everyone left behind. You wanted to have some reason to come back to the soul system. You wanted to help those of Earth. So yeah, I like. I, they, they, ugh, speechless. I say <laughs> speechless. So a, a, a what comes to my mind reading this and and listening to to what you were talking about interpretation of it. Um, actually, fairly recently, I. Yeah, it's going to show how much of a nerd I am. Um, I just finished watching uh, a four-part series put on by the uh, the Critical Role group um, called Calamity. I which this, for those that don't know, where I scream and point at you and go nerd. <laughs> for those that don't know, it's it's a it's a D and D show. Um, but the description that they give of the proverbial devil of that world. Um, that entity describes himself as not being, he, he doesn't deny that he is responsible for the creation of suffering or the creation of hopelessness or the creation of, uh, of death, but he claims they were gifts to the world because without these negative opposites, without hopelessness, hope has no meaning without death. Life has no value and, and argues it in the way of like, I did all of these terrible things, but I did them so that the creations of the world would know what good things even are and that they are worth having. God. And I, I I draw a lot of parallels 
between yeah that that ideology and what Mara did because as Sheer said, you know, if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't made us the way we are, we never would have been here. I, I think also implying like if you'd made everyone gods, no one would know the value of life enough to want to come back and save lives. No one would know the value of knowledge enough to want to try and develop new greater technologies because they would be omniscient and omnipotent within their universe. And she would never have been able to lead an expedition out of that. Man, man, man. Yeah. So, and, and I like it, you know, sure. Like you said, it says the same exact thing that Alice Lee did. However, and I, I then they they really um, highlight this. Sheer Ido used to be the champion of the Diasarum. She had devoted yeah. her entire life to righting the wrong that was denying the Awoken people their godhood that she had thought Alice Lee had done, and now discovering that the woman she has been following and the woman that she has loved for quite some time at this point is is the one that her entire being in the distributary was so vehemently against and yet Shira does what Alice Lee did not and that is to accept that choice and decide to not ostracize Mara for it but to show her compassion for what what that means for Mara is what you know not just what it means for for everyone that Mara quote unquote did this to but what it means for Mara to carry that yep and and, she, and to not throw blackberry tea in her face and to not throw blackberry tea although it would be quite <laughs> a feat to do in the middle of deep space with <laughs> right off the edge of the with the <laughs> yeah. be the, the slowest moving tea ever <laughs> like a prize fight <laughs> <laughs> and sheer also knows mara well enough to come to the realization that the only reason you would have confessed that kind of bomb is if it's just to cover up an even bigger secret yeah so what is it and Mara and tells Mara her. <laughs> with the, I, what, what do we call it, a metaphor? An allegory? I don't know. So, allegory wrapped in a metaphor? A, a little bit. Of, I, I mean, some of it's literal. Some of it is actually oh, sure, literal. Sure. So um, Mara outright tells Sheer, she says, there are many ways to godhood. One is the path of the sword to kill everything, which is what the hive were doing at the time. Uh, until you're the last thing standing still kind of the ideology of the dark and the other is of the bomb which she doesn't explain to sheer but you know she says this is the path i'm on this path of the bomb and i have discovered that my path can still lead me to godhood if i use the sword to a if I if I use the the path of the sword to intentionally quote unquote detonate the bomb, 
she is in somewhat, uh, you know, metaphorically and, and cryptive speech telling Sheer, I'm going to let Oryx kill me. Yeah. That, that is the, that is the hidden truth behind these words. And she's intentionally, she's not lying. She's telling Sheer the truth, but she's intentionally doing it in such a way that she knows Sheer doesn't really understand. And so Sheer just kind of hand waves away. She's like, yeah, whatever. You know what? Seen anything yep. cool on TV? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even Shear's kind of just like, all right, this is bullshit. Like, <laughs> you wanted a serious thing out of me, then you got a serious thing out of me, then you hit me with this, and whatever. I don't even care anymore. Oh. So. So where where does uh, where does that take us to? So that takes us to actually a uh, a lore card from D one. Um, this is the, the Queen's Ransom Grimoire card. Uh, and this is technically taking place, uh, right after the House of Wolves expansion. So to give a little bit of information about the House of Wolves, um, we know that during the, the Reef Wars, the Wolves were the house that the Awoken had their, their battle with, uh, to prevent them from joining the other forces on Earth. Uh, they wiped out a large portion of them, defeated them. Most of the, the wolves became subservient to Mara, seeing her as their new Kel. While their old Kel, Skolas, was, uh, I, I believe he was imprisoned at the time. I think so. And... Because yeah. he ends up breaking out during... Yes. Uh, during the expansion, and that's the whole thing that leads us to the Prison of Elders. To, to us getting her to or him to us getting him recaptured and then we just fight him over and over again yeah so uh i guess i should back up even a little more uh our guardian has entered the scene at this point uh a little bit in d1 so our guardian was resurrected had the interactions with the uh with mara and aldrin um during the d1 vanilla campaign which is essentially just meeting them and then uh, Aldrin telling us we need the Eye of a Gate Lord to get access to the garden, um, bringing that to him, having him begrudgingly make us a key out of it. Uh, and then we go to the garden and kill the Black Heart. Uh, after which we are uh, kind of hailed by the Awoken, um, saying, you know, we've got this escaped prisoner. We're calling in our debt for helping you before. You need to help us with this this situation now. Um, we hunt down Skolas, who is uh, trying to use Vex technology to uh, build up an army of fallen from across different uh, timelines, I suppose. Because um, he's in, is he in the Vault of Glass? At one point, I don't remember if he's directly in the vault, but we definitely go to the top of the Ishtar Collective. Yeah, and and that's like going up to the top of that because I remember we do that both there and I think later on when we're chasing uh, Shades of Oryx, we end up up there as well. But I do remember specifically going to the top of that and him getting captured. Yes, and and so I don't I don't think we ever actually go inside the Vault of Glass. 
but the the structure that's above it the ishtar collective tower the that that goes just clear into the stratosphere of venus um has a lot i mean it, it's it's bex tech all the way up and yeah. i think it's i i think i don't know if this is proven or not i think that that point above the vault of glass has a lot of like uh oh what would you call it it's it it has like a lot of uh vexy stuff <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> term uh that it it's 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 like concentrated vex you know what i mean like it's it everything about it can be used to access portals to access information to access possibly even the vex network from there like it's yeah. it's very much like an easy access uh pillar there definitely a lot of vex portals um for sure that i remember being there oh I, yeah he's porting people in like left and right as you're yeah. fighting him on the way up and i i don't recall if he was specifically trying to use like the vex time well, because they don't time travel, and that's the thing. So I, I don't think he was pulling Fallen in from other timelines. I think he was specifically using their their gate technology to consolidate an army in one spot quickly. Yep. Uh, I, th- think th- I think I think, think that's, that's what the... it was. Yep. But needless to say, we fight him, we beat his ass, because of course we do. Uh, and <laughs> hey, we're, we're VIP 2014. <laughs> damn straight. Uh, <laughs> And Petra swoops down and um, captures him, sucks him into a, a, a fallen, or excuse me, a awoken prison vessel, um, and transports him back to the prison of elders. Um, and we uh, didn't know it at the time, but uh, Skolas has seen some things, and he oh, transmits yeah. a message over tomorrow through Varix, uh that a lot of that at the time others thought was just gibberish but i think mara knew that what he was talking about uh so this is from the queens of ransom uh which is again a, a d1 grimoire card and this is immediately after skolas has been recaptured and it goes like this A bellow erupts from the barred grate at her feet. Bony fingers claw at the bars, their sharp points just inches from her toes. Prince Aldrin chuckles. At the edge of the room, the Techians circle, their implants glowing faintly blue in the shadows. He's been musing since Petra. Bring him, Varix injects, practically purring with glee. He say Kellov Kells over and over and other such nonsense. Skolas bellows again. Varric strikes Skolas grasping fingers with his staff. The queen's expression remains mild. She looks down her nose at the glowing eyes burning into the shadows beneath the grate. Skolas falls abruptly silent. Then a low, soft, growl, almost like a whine, echoes from the cell below. Varix's mechanical hands click as he snaps them together in surprise. Once he begins Aldrin, Varix interrupts him with a burst of guttural clicks directed at the grate. The queen does not react. What did he say? He says, Varix hisses under his breath. 
He makes no sense, my queen. He speaks of light snuffer, dark binder. The queen aims her eyes at Skolas, her expression unchanged. I see. He will not say more. He does not need to. She turns towards the door. My queen, what of this one, says Aldrin. He awaits your sentence. You would not sentence a rabid dog, or a hive thrall, or a bomb. The queen's justice is wasted on one such as this. She paused. Varex. Yes, your grace. Skolas is yours. Let the children of the light have their play with him. Ah. You are might and justice, my queen, my Kel. The Techians gather at the door as the queen approaches it. Prince Aldrin holds it open with a small bow, and the queen touches his shoulder as she passes. Send a crow to Mercury, and another to our new friend in the tower. And that's where that card ends. You face Skolas, yes. (laughs) They are dead. You are not. I love the Prison of Elders. That was that was such a fun activity. It was. It was as far as as far as as far as like a like a ten. So when that when that uh, expansion did come out, the the whole House of Wolves thing, uh, it was what ten bucks at the time. Like I mean, it was it was a very cheap. little dlc thing I, I don't even want to call it an expansion it was a cheap dlc and for what it gave like it actually was really really fun but yeah the i i i like that even varix doesn't quite seem to know what he is talking what what skolos is talking about but it seems like skolos has just been driven mad but i think he's been driven mad from his uh manipulation of the vex tech from the ishtar collective I think it's very possible Skolas has had a glimpse into a Vex simulation of Oryx's incoming attack. Absolutely, because we know that Oryx has dealt with Quoria, uh, uh, and and who's to say what Quoria retransmitted back to the Vex network before she was fully... I can't say fully cut off, because even Oryx left her with some sort of will. Uh, but yeah, like... it. it I think I think I think you're right. I think he absolutely went crate found some sort of simulation through something and just went mad over it. Just like went nuts. Was like, you know, that's that's cool that I'm not going to get an army to take over the last city, but this other guy, he's he's even worse than I am, and he's going to come f all of you up. Like last city, let the Awoken, he's just going to kill everyone. He don't care. So yeah, I'll I'll my little game will be won eventually, and and. The only person in the room that even understands this is Mara, because she she knows. Like that's she's just straight up. Okay, well, if if the Vex have have if he's seen some sort of thing to to even suggest this, all right, that just kind of proves that uh, yeah, it's on its way. We're we're it, it's coming. And I and I like the I like what you were saying too that uh, when this when this Grimoire card first came out, because because this is like the the very end of the this is after. Obviously, the the entire campaign of the of the House of Wolves. Uh, a lot of people looked at this like, "What what the fuck does this even mean?" And but now looking back on it, it that's absolutely what it was. It was it was the foretelling of 
Oryx coming to the Soul System. Yeah. Um, and remind me if you happen to know, House of Wolves was after Dark Below? Dark Below was second. Dark so, Below. Uh, okay. House of Wolves came first, then Dark Below. So a lot of people at, at the time, um, uh, during D1, after Dark Below came out, probably would have thought this lore card was referring to Crota. But oh, I don't sure, think that's absolutely. the case. No, um, no. I mean, he's, just, what, what are the yeah. two words that he used again? Light that, that Snuffer barracks? and Dark Binder. Yeah, I, th- I think that's Oryx. I think that's directly calling out, hey, this is Oryx coming. Because Crota is never, never mentioned in like a... In, anytime we've had mention of Crota to us as the Guardian, I don't think he's ever anything other than Crota Will of Oryx, right? Or not Will of Oryx. Uh, is he Will of Oryx? He's not no. Will of Oryx. Um, I forget what his title is. If if he had, I know he has one, but I, I don't remember what it was offhand. I don't think it was anything of Oryx. I don't think Oryx's name was mentioned at all. That's what I'm saying. Crota was a fucking nobody. <laughs> he was. He really was a nobody. Like as as cool as it was to when he came, when he came to the Soul System, and that was like our first true brush with like darkness and and the hive and like hey this is a big bad baddie you he's gonna eat your lunch and he really wasn't shit like i mean yes and no um he certainly there are certainly many more powerful beings in the hive pantheon oh Uh, absolutely but we can't discount the fact that he murdered thousands of guardians on the moon like he caused a a calamity on the moon um i i do often forget that too like yeah he and and part of that i think is also just his presentation in game wasn't particularly uh scary because the raid was kind of a joke um yeah I mean, what was, what was the old trick? Everyone set up in the set up in on the inside of the, on the outside of the glass and just shot him with icebreaker, and while well, one person sorted him to death, and it took all of like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it it's it's one of those things where I feel like if that raid had been more difficult, uh, because thematically I think it was great, but if, oh sure, if it hadn't sure. been such a, a rollover uh, experience with the the gear that was available at the time, especially. Right. Um, I think people would have had a little different view of Crota. Because uh, Crota in the lore is scary as fuck. Right. Like, I mean, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, I'm not going to discount somebody who can cut holes in reality. Like, that's just, that's a whole thing on itself. Um, I Like, Crota could have been a, a three-man dungeon. And so that's that's where even I personally have kind of like this weak opinion of him like it was just like eh yeah it's crota who gives a shit but i think you're right like as far as lore like he he definitely is a lot more powerful as a as a lore character than in in the the in-game representation of him did him did him did him dirty yeah yeah but so at this point now mara has had her own premonitions about this incoming force she has had uh the you know vague explanations of the oracle engine uh and now she has another entity skolas outside of everything else 
that seems to be referencing a similar event or figure. Well, and he references, um, or not he, uh, I think Mara at the end of that references someone in the tower. So she's saying, send a, a missive to Mercury and send a missive to our friend at the tower. And and I'm assuming there is, is the friend at the tower, is that Eris or is that, well, or is that us, the Guardian? Uh, you, you could have taken it as us, the Guardian, but I think it's Eris. And who lives on Mercury at this point in time, but Osiris. Osiris, yeah. And uh, we get to see a, a meeting between these three. Yeah, that's interesting that she would be personal with, with Osiris. Yeah, I'm not sure how they would have met uh, or, or how they would know of each other, but he heeds the call, and we see a meeting between uh, who is theorized, because no names are used, to be... Marasov, Eris Morn, Osiris, and Aldrin. And uh, that meeting is described in the grimoire card Ghost Fragment, The Queen 2. And that one goes like this. You don't have one. The hunter came to a halt in front of the throne, raised her covered face to meet the prince's gaze. No, she agreed. My next death will be my last. I know the feeling, the prince said dryly. The queen kept her expression carefully distant. She, la- she sat reclined in her throne, legs crossed, surveying the two figures at the base of the steps. Beside her were the wolves' guard used to stand. Tekians, Shuro, and Sadia hovered instead their jewel-like augments gently humming. To her right and just before stood the prince, facing forward, but his body half-turned back toward her. Your grace, said the man before her at the foot of the stairs. His voice was soft but strong. When he spoke, the hunter started to turn her head toward him, then flinched as if someone had shone a bright light into her eyes. Thank you for your gracious welcome, he said. The queen inclined her head slightly. Before we begin, said the hunter, I will say this. She paused, her head tilted up to the throne. The queen waved her hand in assent. The hunter's pale lips tightened slightly, then resumed their usual stony mien. Your grace, she said. Shuro and Sidia shifted, a sudden rustling and whispering. The queen raised one finger to silence them. Aldrin's eyes narrowed, but he said nothing. Your grace, I am not here for you. The queen stared at the hunter, her expression studiously unchanged. I have no wish to play politics. I have no grievance with the city. Not any more. I have no grand hopes to end the war, for long have I known I will not see its end. I am here for one battle, and one alone, because it is a battle we must all fight, together or separately. But I will warn the defenders, together or separately. I will do anything. Her her low voice shook with passion. 
to end Oryx. A silence rang out in the room. The hunter kept her head raised, her ambiguous gaze directed at the shadows in the throne where the queen reclined. Then a small smile curved the queen's lips. Well said. She straightened and leaned slightly forward as the room's light fell on her face. So let us end him. And that's the end of that lore card. Yeah. Let's let's go kick some ass. So, again, names are never used. It's pretty obvious it, to I me. Mean, the hunter right. with no ghost is Eris. Gotta be. And she she would be the most inclined to be in that in that meeting to say let's go in Oryx because of her whole dealings with Crota. Like her whole her whole fire team was wiped out when they went to try to take on Crota. She literally had to make. I mean, I I don't know if this is stated or not, but I'm pretty sure this is what happened. She had to she found or had a piece of Ahamkara bone and made a wish to to survive that and get out of there. And that's the that's the rock that's encased in hive magic that she she holds around with us or she runs around the universe with. Um and she's got her three eyes and the darkness born from it all that like that's yeah no that's i that's that's Eris. yeah and we don't see much mentioned about this other person um this other man at the foot of the stairs all we get is that i uh, when Eris looks at him she flinches as if someone had shown a bright light into her eyes now this could literally be osiris and her hive eyes are don't like staring at entities of light. Although that doesn't make sense now, knowing how sure. involved she's been with, with other light bearers, primarily our player guardian. Us. <laughs> yeah. um, but what this might be is a reflection, literally an image of him made out of light, which would probably be pretty you know, hard to look upon. That's, that's what I was thinking it was. That's, that's, that was my interpretation. And the only person that we know of that's ever done any type of reflections is Osiris. So that's, yeah. I think you're right there. I think that, that, that's a, that's a good, I think that's a good line of logic to, to follow through. So at this point, you know, Mara has gathered this group of people, um, with the intent of creating a plan to end Oryx. I was uh, going to say, now she's got a name for death. Now she's got a name. And uh, we, the, the next card we pick up on is uh, Throne, which is from the Dreaming City book. Um, and this talks about them creating a, uh, a throne world as part of their ultimate plan or part of Mara's ultimate plan um, for dealing with Oryx or... or more appropriately, using Oryx to her advantage. Uh, and this card confirms, if there was any doubt from the previous one, that uh, this, the hunter was Eris Morn. So this one goes like this. Eris Morn returned to the Vestian outpost. Because she spoke well, it was agreed that aid would be traded for intelligence and a long-term alliance. 
In this way, the Awoken were the first to know of the great navigator, his philosophies, his strategies, his weaknesses. And as the coven contemplated the possibilities laid wide before this god-king's far-flung sword, it was decreed that they would build a throne world beneath an energy well as blind as the ferryman Charon. Nasia drew the schematics. Portia worked out the calculations. They made their first test with a small rift generator on the eastern shore. Satisfied that their methods were sound, then they went to a grand cathedral to dig the well. There, Lucille and Sidia augured the first borehole with the help of Riven, who had taken the shape of a needle-nosed basilisk, while Kali and Shirochi constructed the gate itself, deep below in a hall they called the Confluence. Ilin made the tincture after tincture of queen's foil until her clothes stank and her hands were stained reddish-black. Open-eyed, she walked between planes and sorted the threads of reality on a vast, metaphysical loom, weaving some closer, some more distant. Mara and Riven shaped her third throne together, and the artistry of their work was a testament to the hungry joy they felt in that partnership. They named it Eleusinia, and it was in those ascendant halls that Mara finally carved a statue, for sure. When it came time to connect the well to the unreality that lay beyond the gateway, Sadia asked, Would it not be wiser to leave this door without a key? Riven, now an immense antlered serpent with broad tiger paws, tightened around the perimeter of the room like a noose. Egg, Mara corrected absently, chewing on her thumbnail. The key is so heavy as to be unliftable, Callie ventured, since they were speaking metaphorically. Sadia flapped her hand dismissively. Yes, yes, I know. They all knew that the gate required a continuous, multi-week charge of paracausal energies, and that almost nothing in the solar system could produce such energies at the scale required. Almost. It's just, do we... Do we wish to trust the guardians? Ilion filled in dryly. Mara ran her hand along the sleek surface of the primary well's control mechanism then turned and walked alone toward the fresh, foggy air that blew in from the coast. The Techians watched her go. There is only the plan, Ilian said. Remember your vows, Sidia. And that's where that lore card ends. Yeah, this this one is great because like as as you're reading this, I'm I'm seeing these places on the Dreaming City. Like I'm obviously the first part there Eris talks about, you know, the Awoken were the first to know the Great Navigator. That is, the Great Navigator is Oryx. That's that was a. He was also, I think, I think the first Navigator is actually the the title that he has, or one yeah, of his titles. Yeah, I, I think there's a few that are kind of used synonymously: Great Navigator, First Navigator. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but they've got, you know, talked about his philosophies, his strategies, his weaknesses. Um, you know, they. Um, it was decreed that they would build a throne world beneath an energy well as blind as the ferryman Charon. Who's Charon? 
Uh, is it, so, are we talking like River Sticks? Yeah. So for for those that Holy shit. Um, don't know, I'm, I'm paying attention. The, I feel good about myself. Yeah, Charon <laughs> is the um, blind ferryman that uh, if the the practice in uh, ancient Greece being that they would bury someone with a, a coin in their mouth or a coin on their head, and um, that coin was to be used to pay the ferryman Charon to take their soul uh, across the river Styx to, to Hades and then be sorted into whatever uh, level of the underworld that they were deemed worthy for. Or if, or if you watch a lot of Disney, thrown in a giant green swirling vortex. To that be is not accurate of... at all. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing against the movie Hercules, but that was wrong. Yeah, Disney is not exactly accurate with their <laughs> depictions of Hades. Uh, not, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah they so they have they literally call this place an energy well as blind as a very is that why they call it blind well i mean presumably mm-hmm. like that's yep. that um that is the blind well that they're describing there that they're that they're building that yeah they're building and they're they're telling you what its actual purpose is yeah. here as well is for us to for us guardians they they are banking on guardians coming and doing the blind well activity essentially, uh, and the blind well is sucking paracausal energy in over the course of multiple weeks to open a portal to this throne world that they're building. Yeah, um, and they they even mention uh, a small rift generator on the eastern shore. Is that the public event? Yep, that was their test. <laughs> Holy shit! In front of the the big yeah. statue, right? Uh huh. Holy shit! And that's that's why that public event only exists in that spot in the Dreaming City, and it never something similar has never shown up anywhere else. Oh my god, dude, that's awesome that they have like a a lore explanation as to why we're doing said public event. Like we just happen to stumble upon this rift generator. And that's that's probably why when you turn it heroic, it kind of takes you to an ascendant plane, right? Like that's like the test. Yeah, of it. that's exactly what it does. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Oh my god! This is brilliant. I'm I'm falling in love with this lore card here. <laughs> uh, there's also mention of Kali and Shirochi. So we've had mention of uh, Sadia, Kali, and Shirochi. Yep. Uh, and again, we'll talk in length of those at a later date. But those are definitely names to 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 keep in your mind uh, for later episodes. Uh, they talk about constructing a gate called the Confluence. That's where you used to have to physically go um, to access the throne world. Uh, well, at, at the time that you access, it's called the Shattered Throne. But anyway, that's where you actually go to access this place uh, in-game. And so a lot of these things can be visited in-game. Um, uh, let's see here. There's another one, too, that... I think all of them. I think all of it. Yeah, the Blind Well, the, the, the Small Rift Generator... The Grand the- Cathedral underneath, um, obviously the the confluence. You can actually see, you can still go there, and it, it tells you you're at the confluence. Um, there's another one. Oh, uh, El- Eleusinia. Uh, now that's inside the throne world, right? Eleusinia is the name that Mara gave the throne world. Oh, that's that's uh, so that's like the proper name of it. That is the proper name of it. We only know it as the shattered throne right 
uh, at this point because, well, things things happened. Yeah, we're not there yet. Um, Don't spoil the story yet. <laughs> uh, she mentions that she finally carved a statue for Sheer, and that's yes. It for the Awoken people that you only carve statues for people that are dead. So in in Mara's mind, at least it, and it's interesting that she carves this statue in her throne world and not in the, like, not in the Dreaming City. So it's it I I there's mm-hmm. got to be some symbolism there, right? Like even Mara's not fully on board with this idea that 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 Sheer is dead. Yeah, and I I think we could see a couple things here. Um, Mara's not carving a statue in the Dreaming City, but for everyone to see. But she's carving a statue in her throne yeah. world, uh, which is a more private space, uh, a space that maybe means more to her um so she she may be saying here not that she believes sheer is dead and is never going to return because the oracle engine told her that sheer would leave and return um but maybe that sheer is now dead to her you know in the the facet that she and Sheer can no longer be in a relationship when Sheer returns. Right. Like Mara will have ascended to that godhood that she was always afraid Sheer would see her as. Back like a long, a long way. Uh, where, which was it? Where, where, where she's like, Sheer's like, you know, are you a god? And and she and Mara's like, I, you know, you can't treat me like that. So that, oh man, I didn't even think of it from that sense. Oh man, that's like that's like coming full circle there. That's oh my god. Yeah, I I also want to make a quick note about the name. Um Eleusinia means uh relating to ancient Eleusis or the religious mysteries celebrated in worship of Demeter and Persephone. Uh and for those not fami- again, this is Greek mythology. For those not familiar, um Demeter was the goddess, if I recall correctly, the goddess of winter or the goddess of nature. Uh, and her daughter, Persephone, um, was, depending on your telling of the myth, either eloped or was kidnapped and taken to Hades, taken to the underworld and held prisoner there uh, until eventually a contract was negotiated where she could return to the outside world um once a year and her return is what uh brought about the season of spring um the whole uh mythology being that um her mother Demeter uh was so sad at her absence is that's what causes the season of fall and then winter and then when Persephone is allowed to roam free again, uh, you have spring and summer. Yeah, there's definitely a Greek um, PhD working at uh, <laughs> Bungie headquarters, uh, and they're on the they're on the lore staff. I'm I'm fully convinced now. But there there are some some parallels we can draw here. Like if we think about the whole someone that's being uh, forced into the underworld and then uh, a contract is is brokered to allow their return uh maybe that's sheer sheer forced to be wherever she is now oh my god um, 
and she's eventually going to return. I say this could also be Mara creating uh, her throne world as her version of the underworld because she's created a grave for Sheer, and so she's kidnapping Sheer from wherever she is and bringing her here in some form. There, there's a lot of different interpretations you can see from it. Okay, well now my thing doesn't sound so cool. My my thing was like, well, what if she's being like held hostage by the nine? And now now my thing's just not as cool as as what you said. <laughs> uh as usual. Uh so yeah. Uh creation of Mars Throne World, Eleusinia. Um yep. and the the banking on that guardians will open it. Oh, I mean, just in the future. Tell them they'll be loot. That's easy. Uh, yeah, that's more or less. That's the, the guardian portion of this equation is easy. Uh, so yeah, so um, throne world's created. Throne world's created. So now that that Mara has conferred with uh, you know, Eris and Osiris, and and has developed a plan, she knows more about Oryx, his weaknesses, his strengths. She's created her own pocket throne world uh, as part of that plan in preparation for whatever this event is to come. Uh, that brings us then to the lore card Tyrannicide 4 uh, of the Awoken of the Reef book. Um, talking about the events uh, immediately before her confrontation with Oryx. And it goes like this. It is the night before the day of screams. Mara meditates, cross-legged, in a cradle of null gravity. Varix has told her more than once how the fallen speak of the Awoken as sterile, unable to regrow their flesh, cursed to bear their scars forever. Also, how they think of the Awoken as self-twinned, coexisting with their own shadows. Didn't ancient Inanna, Queen of Heaven, descend into the underworld to confront her shadow twin sister, Ereshkigal? Inanna was judged full of hubris and executed. You cannot defeat a thing that is synonymous with death except on its own territory. You cannot fear and flee from death. You must face it. Death is a sword, and a sword is like a crossing point, like a bridge. And a bridge may be walked two ways. The plan exists in her mind alone, although beloved Eris has by necessity learned most of it. The Techians do not know the whole plan, although they will position the harbingers upon the threshold. Even sweet, capable Petra does not know the whole plan. So many she will leave behind. Aldrin knows nothing of the whole plan. He is kept more and more to himself, building up secrets and schemes, all Mara knows, because he needs Mara and thinks he can get her attention by keeping secrets from her. Secrets are her virtue and the virtue of her nemesis. The being whose existence she deduced from the analogy of family the oracle engine showed her. Mara will begin the end of the queen's brother today. She knows 
what that means for the fate of her own. An eye for an eye, she must think now of the fate of the entire cosmos, and of her tender, half-assembled answer to the cold, sword logic of the hive. She must not grieve. She must not fear. Was Inanna afraid when she descended? Mara's not going to be outclassed by some ancient fable. After all, Mara's name is Death. But there is one thing she admires most about Inanna over all the other myths of Katabasis. Inanna went to conquer. And that's the end of that lore card. I'm I'm very impressed you got the twin sister name right on that one. <laughs> I mean, I think I did. I don't know. That was a fucking hard one. I, I was following along and I got to that one. I was like, oh God, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh yeah no this is i mean this is this is mara like cutting like the final cut right like cutting herself off um and i i think i want to say and maybe i'm crazy um but i want to say on this same night um uldren is telling the story on the agar scepter uh the same day. It's it's earlier in the right, same day. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, because uh, Mara hosts this big uh, feast and festival, essentially. Right. Um, because uh, although the Awoken don't know what her plan is, they, the Awoken fleet knows they're flying out to face an enemy yep. tomorrow. And so she puts on this grand festival and feast to give people good memories before heading into war, essentially. Oh you know, my leave, God. Leave behind good memories for the loved ones you leave behind and have good memories of potentially your last day before entering battle. So it's, it's during that celebration that um, Aldrin is telling these two children the, the story of uh, the Agers Agar's scepter, uh, which I forget what the the characters' names are in the story, but they're they're analogies essentially for Mara and Aldrin leaving the the distributary. Yep. Yeah, I I don't know why that that thought just struck my mind of of Agar's scepter, um, and it being on the same day as this, and it just it kind of it kind of blows my mind that even like their heads are in two different spots, like Aldrin's still telling the 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 stories of heroes and 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 whatnot and Mara's still down to cutting everything off and and even like the the like the, I want to say like the last line or so of Agar Scepter's like Mara's kind of pissed at Ultra and she's like stop telling them these lies like stop making up yeah. all this shit like it even even at that point in time she's trying to create that cut she's trying to cut herself off to where she can become a god I think like that's and and, and maybe not Maybe not become a god. I that's that's where I don't know Mara's true intent here. Like, and I don't think anybody does. I mean, she says as much throughout this whole thing. Like, nobody really knows the whole plan. The only one that that has learned most of it is Eris by necessity, because I think because she needs Eris to like maybe lead the guardian a little bit and be like, hey, create a little bit of intrigue, create a little bit of secrecy here, lead them on this 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 hunt get them get them to power the engine and all that stuff i'm guessing she needed eris as well to 
inform her as to like how throne worlds work. Oh, absolutely. And like what the mechanics of that are. And and for anyone that is wondering like how does Eris know all this? Um this is all taking place post the dark below. Yep. Uh where Eris has been freed from the Hellmouth and she spent a significant amount of time there like a number of years. And not only was she surviving, but she was learning everything she could about the hive. So that that is where she drew this knowledge about Oryx and about like how the hive work and the hive rituals, um, because she had to live amongst them in secret yep. for years and is now trying to weaponize that knowledge because she sees Mara as someone that could help her achieve the ultimate goal of getting revenge on the hive race yep. essentially. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's also interesting here. So with with this particular card, I, I do think Mara has been, you know, trying to isolate herself. Um and she says knowing that she knows her plan is going to break Aldrin. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think she knows how. I don't think she can predict just what happens, say in in forsaken um but she knows that when when she you know enacts her plan he is he's not going to be the same person anymore yep uh and has come to terms with that kind of being like unfortunate collateral damage for the greater good uh and through throughout uh, all of the entries we've always seen Mara try and try and treat Aldrin with at an arm's length, um. But it's oh, like I don't think we should confuse that with a lack of caring. Um, I think she she has always cared. Even here, um, she says uh, Mara knows and pities that because he needs Mara, he thinks he can get her attention by keeping secrets, um. Like she, she knows what he wants. Oh, sure. She's known what he's wanted for a long time. And it's just that she has always believed her destiny or, or her ultimate goal to be, to, to not allow her to, uh, entertain his needs at all. That like, he's constantly being a sacrifice for, for her ambitions. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And maybe not even maybe not even like directly, like just kind of inadvertently by the way of him trying right. to prove himself. Well, and because he's close to her. Right. And you know, by nature of being close to her and continually striving to remain close to her, she's having to constantly push him away. Yep. Whereas if he had just given up and been like, "You know what, sis, you're a dick. I'm done talking to you." Like in a weird way, that probably would have been easier on both of them. I think you're right. Uh, but he just, he doesn't have it in him to do it, and she doesn't have it in her to make a clean break either. Well, and I mean, I I still think of, like, what is Mara's ultimate goal or ultimate plan? And I, I, f- I feel like during this whole time that we've been covering this, the, the story of the Awoken, I've always thought of it as the ultimate goal is to go back and save or help earth 
against whatever that entity was that interfered and, and interacted with them on the Exodus green. And, and it, I, I don't know anymore, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I think that is, I think, cause we, if we go back to why did she leave the distributary? Right. That was it. She left the distributary to go back to earth and provide aid. But she didn't see providing aid in the same way that the now Earthborn Awoken did of like, oh, we need to go down and help with medical supplies oh. and technological advancements. I Possibly think she weaponry. saw providing aid. Yeah, I think, I think she interpreted providing aid as like, that's all well and good. But if you spend the next, you know, hundreds of years, 300, 400 years building them up just for that thing to come back and wipe everyone out, then we didn't do our job. Oh my God. So I think from her perspective, it's always been about as long as something of humanity remains, that's enough because I'm trying to protect them on a cosmic scale, not on a local scale. You know who else thinks like that? Our lovely little Russian war mind. <laughs> as yeah. long as one percent survives that one that's one percent even if point one percent survives that is that is a surviving entity of humanity oh my god so i think in her mind at this point in time she's constantly trying to see what is what is my way to get to that next echelon of power so that i can be a defender when the ultimate time comes. And she saw Oryx not only as a threat to her, like if, if Oryx killed her and, you know, for good, he has, you know, she's failed at her job. So she's trying to figure out how do I survive Oryx? And in addition to that, how do I use him to gain that next level of power to be the better defender the next time something else comes along. Oh, because Oryx is big and bad, but on a cosmic scale, Oryx is like an ant. Well, she knows Oryx was not what they faced on the Exodus green. Right. So she's using this, this plan. She's enacting this plan to become more powerful, I think still with the intention of the defense of humanity is her ultimate goal. Absolutely. But she's just the long-term defense, not the we're going to make things better for now defense. That's a, that's a man. Good on her. Cause even in the very last line here, you know, she's, she's likening herself to, uh, this, uh, mythological figure Inanna. Um, and she said the one thing she admired most about Inanna over all other myths of Katabases, which is journey to the underworld is that Inanna went to conquer. Yeah. Mara's going to conquer yeah. death. Cause Mara's name is not, no is death. Mara's name means death. Yeah. So, that brings us. I was going to say, does that bring us to, to the moment? It, that brings us to uh, the premiere cutscene of the Taken King expansion in Destiny One. I'm so giddy, like a little schoolgirl. 
<laughs> so do you want to do the the description i would thing? love to this this was take th- it away this was the cut scene that like so i i started playing destiny at taken king so the first cut scene of destiny that i ever saw was this cut scene and it's this it's it's this massive ship sitting in the in the rings of saturn and and all these little little ships circling it and and kind of like very ominous like not really moving anywhere just kind of sitting and then there's this this other ship this very royal ship that flies in and and it's i i know now that it's a it's a kesh it's a, it's a it's a fallen a massive fallen ship um that has been repurposed as Mars flagship and it's got you know Mars symbol all over it if you ever look at the dreaming city weapon or the the dreaming city no the the last wish rep weapons uh they have this little like circle with almost this w in it that's that that's like the that's like Mars symbol um Petra had it uh, in D1 on her on her chest and that was like the the banner you could get from her the little emblem and everything and uh anyway so the ship is here and it shows this this very regal lady this this the queen of the awoken surrounded by three uh techians and uh an entire fleet of awoken uh ships uh one of in in one of them is Aldrin because Aldrin is obviously very very uh uh apt at at piloting these ships and and being a warrior as we've seen throughout the entire history of the awoken like he he is a very very well versed warrior um and so they they start clashing with these hive ships one on one in space and uh, in the rings of saturn and then it the the camera kind of pans over to the to to the big entity that's on this stationary ship in the rings and and it's this massive hive holding this massive sword uh and this hive is oryx and this sword is willbreaker and he takes his sword and he's standing in kind of this pool of whatever and slams his sword down into it and it starts this chain reaction on the outside of the ship and as this chain reaction is building up on the outside of the ship to almost this like death star looking beam thing in the center of it mara's techians and mara start chanting and they start creating uh these these ontological weapons that are designed to like unmake you from time or whatever and starts hurt they start hurling them in in free space at this ship and these these beams of light are flying at it and then all of a sudden the 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 center weapon of of this massive hive ship builds up enough power and unleashes itself and destroys everything i mean it the whole mara ship explodes into a million pieces like mara mara after she does whatever she's doing in this space she kind of falls over and and then you know the the blast wave comes further and further out and just engulfs everything kills so many awoken lives and and possibly even hive lives shoot i don't know if it was indiscriminate or not but it leaves this massive hole in the ring uh uh in saturn's rings that uh, even even all the way into d2 uh, back when Titan was in the game, you could look up at the skybox, and that ring was still stuck there. Uh, that that hole in the ring was still there in the in the 
in the rings of Saturn. So, I mean, like to have that cutscene is like the first cutscene as your introduction to, to destiny. It was like, Oh my God, this is a fucking awesome game. And then like, like even the only person that even seems to escape this, it, Aldrin is like, he's screaming at the top of his lungs and he's got his, he's got his ship in full throttle as fast as he can get, to get away from this thing. And then it kind of cuts to black and then it's just Oryx and like, yeah, suck it. And that, that cutscene is freaking awesome. It is. Uh, it should still be out there on the YouTube somewhere. I highly recommend looking it up if you haven't uh, had the opportunity to see it before. Maybe you weren't playing at the time. Because um, it's it's great. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna end tonight on the lore card that describes that moment from Mara's point of view and uh, kind of tells a little bit about what her, uh, what her plan might have been and uh, where, what, her, what uh, her motivations were during this time. So this is going to be Tyrannicide 5, and it goes like this. She closes her eyes. Oryx's throne world smashes through her fleet, the bubble of averted scream space pulverizing rock, metal, and flesh as mere matter surrenders to the will-made fact of the Taken King. Somewhere, Aldrin roars defiance. This is the moment of absolute sacrifice, the incarnation of awoken doom to give up their lives in defense of the world they once abandoned. The sense of their great dying rips at Mara like a sob. She feels her Tekians preparing emergency self-gates. Shirochi reaches out to her, a wordless, urgent need for Mara to live, and it takes all the cold, impassive remove of Mara's millennia to turn that hand away. The shockwave strikes. Mara dies. In one way, she is vaporized with her catch, the bonds between the very particles of her body questioned by the harrowing logic of Oryx's weapon and found inessential. The mechanism of devastation is spontaneous vision. The author of the devastation is laughing in joy. In another way, a more true and symbolic way, she is impaled on Oryx's blade. She has thrown all her might at him, and he has answered. He has snuffed her fledgling divinity and her meager claim to royalty. He has exposed Mara to the raw and caustic hostility of his high war. She has been defeated by the sword logic. She dances down the blade and steps into his throne world. The harbingers give her the gate and she takes the step. She is dead, consumed by Oryx. She is dead in his will, his ascendant realm. There was no other way inside except this true way. Inanna at least gave her people some warning. She told her minister to have her worshippers lament, drum, pray. Inanna told her minister to beg the gods to save her. Mara has not. 
Instead, she has enlisted Eris and several million mad dancing guardians to go knock off the god who killed her. It is, on that level, a very simple bank heist. Get yourself taken into the treasury as treasure, and when the owner dies, break back out with his stuff. But even Inanna had to send everyone away before she passed through the last door. Mara thinks of everything she has ever known, all the people she has lost, back even to the Yang Li Wei and that ray of light in deepest dark. She is there again, on the tether, falling into the mystery. Her brother is crying out after her, trying to follow, and she cannot look back. She has been thinking of a logic of her own, of secrets and hidden designs. The universe has not grown simpler in its age. Wherever life can begin, it has begun, and even in some places where sensible folk expect it should not. The great tendency has been towards intricacy, towards sophistication, towards deep thought and richer ways of being. A sword is everywhere edged, but the piece of a bomb did not look at all like weapons until they are assembled. Oryx's throne world tries to tear her body and psyche into a quintillion screaming pieces, but Mara has survived the incumbent primordial chaos before space and time. She has retained her selfhood through far worse than this, and she has patience for eons. Eris will succeed. The Guardians will play their part. When the power in this world is free for the taking, Mara will take it. Not as the victor taking spoils, but as a scavenger takes a prize component for her masterwork. When a pawn reaches the far side of the chessboard, it may be promoted to a queen. And what hatches when you promote a queen? What new board does she claim her place on? Mara knows. She settles in for the long wait, entirely alone, almost at peace with it. And that is the end of that lore card. So here we, we have a better explanation of what the weapon was. It's literally Oryx pushing out his, his throne world, his ascendant plane. Like Pushing that out into reality is just confusing the piss out of the laws of this universe. And like like Mara says, her atoms were deemed irrelevant and just done away with. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like it, and and she uses that as her way into his throne world. Like she knows that she can't just go walk into his throne world. We eventually get a way into his throne world by way of Eris Morn and becoming Ascendant and all that other stuff. But at this point in time, Mara is just trying to find a way to get in there. And like she even says at the end of this, you know, Eris will succeed. The Guardians will play their part. She knows that that Eris is going to taunt the Guardians into going after the Taken King. You know, she she knows that Eris is going to get the Guardians to go after this this big bad baddie of the universe because you know at this time we had taken down atheon we had taken down crota um we had taken down skolas i mean we as the guardians at this point in time are pretty powerful i mean we're we're borderline god slayers at this point and 
Eris knows that we can, we can become god slayers. We can we can go kill a god. We can go kill Oryx. And that is like Mara's ultimate goal is is once once the once the king is dead, once the owner of this giant treasury is dead, I'm just going to grab all of his shit and leave and just basically walk out the front door. Yep. Say so Mara is gambling on the fact that she knows she cannot defeat Oryx on her own. And so she is allowed her material form to be destroyed and her, for lack of a better term, soul is now residing in Oryx's throne world, just waiting on the gamble that we, the guardians will be powerful enough to kill Oryx and that she can then make off with whatever bits of his power she needs to complete her plan. And she talks at the end here about, you know, when a pawn reaches the far side of the chessboard, it's promoted to a queen. What happens when a queen is promoted? What new board does she claim her piece on? And I think Mara, you know, Mara knows. I think Mara is saying that you claim your place on the board of divinity at that point. Yeah. That she is using this as a pathway to true godhood. Bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it plays out for her next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh well yeah, so I guess uh I guess we'll end it there then. Um What do we got for shout outs? Yeah, so that's where we're gonna end the readings for tonight. Um I say we're gonna do uh before we get to shout outs, I want to do a little uh PSA. Uh, next week's episode is going to be delayed by uh, likely just by a day. So um, for those listening, we will be uh, recording on Tuesday. So it'll come out on Wednesday. Um, that'll be Wednesday the 3rd, I believe. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, just, you know, minor delay on the next episode release. Um, so we do have a couple shout outs that we want to to uh go through at the end of the night here um let's say we had a a couple new reviews on apple Podcasts, but nothing with text to read but thank you still for leaving the those five stars those are always helpful uh and say nothing new on audible either but again we appreciate those that, that have left reviews there um so most of our shout outs uh are coming to us from twitter this time around uh, I say the first of which comes to us from uh, one just simply titled Joe, uh, who says, "You guys keep me from going insane at work." Uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that we can be of service because depending on your nine to five, they they can they can be awful. Mental health is important, and we support it. Yes, <laughs> we will help. We will continue to help support your mental health. <laughs> By bringing you lovely stories of the reef, of kings and queens and death. <laughs> yeah, you know, real, real light and fluffy topics. Totally, yeah. Not, not genocide or, you know, sacrificing your people for godhood or or any of that. It's, 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 uh, that's, just, it, it's fine. It, everything's fine. It's all fine. Yeah, yeah. But fine. thank you. Um, yes, th- thank you for enjoying us enough to, I guess. <laughs> 
listen to us during work. Um, <laughs> Just don't get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one comes to us from uh, Brian, who says, "Absolutely love your podcast. Your theory crafting is amazing as well. Is amazing as well. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. It, the, all the theory crafting is myth. I every every once in a while, every like I say every tenth episode, I get one good one in." But the other nine, it's just myth. Like, I'll say something, and myth is like, no, what about this? And I'm just like, ah, fick, what about that? You're right. Damn it. And then I go back to my cave. <laughs> but thank you anyway. <laughs> you come up with plenty. And I, I do. could not come up with mine if I did not have someone to bounce ideas off of. That's so. true. Takes two to tango. Absolutely. Um,. So we've got uh, uh, two here that are related um, from uh, a user, Whiskey, uh, who says, started listening a week ago with part one of the Awoken history, and I'm already caught up. Uh, Open an entirely new side of the game that made me fall back in love with it. Thank you for providing such amazing content. Marasov is now one of my favorite characters in all of fiction. Uh, the Awoken are absolutely awesome. I appreciate the hard work and effort you put into the podcast. I will be listening every week now. Well, awesome. So, first, thank you very much. I, I say I am glad that you've been enjoying the Awoken stuff. Um, it, it's, for me at least, and I, I think for Zora as well, my favorite in, in, as far as like the in-game kind of... Um, uh groups or races i uh, i find them the most interesting to to kind of follow along with um and to to hear that we were able in in some small way to bring some more enjoyment for you to the game uh via the lore uh it, it means means a lot just because that's uh, that personally happened for me as well um <laughs> where I, I played for a long time uh, kind of knowing some of the lore and some of the backstory. And then I started really getting into what people's, you know, what the motivations of the characters were and the different races and why people were doing the things they were doing. And that just made me enjoy things 10 times more. So I'm glad we could do that for you. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's, it, we've had the most interaction with, uh, with the awoken or at least at least i feel that way i i don't i don't know if that's true or not. Especially, yeah. well at least up until recently like recently we, we've had a lot of interactions with keitel and the cabal and and savathun and 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 all that but like i think up until recently a lot of our big uh go-to's were the awoken and and the entire forsaken expansion for d2 was a was a huge uh uh almost a reset for the game uh realistically because it like we we're talking like a whole new loot scheme came like we went back to random rolls instead of static rolls a whole new story came like it that it was it was this refresh of the game which brought a ton of people back to it and then dropped all this lore on top of it to explain what the hell happened three years before and then even before then. So I mean, like, yeah, I, I definitely think that the lore, for me, it, it, not just the Awoken lore, but just all the lore for the entire game, 
um, especially if it's something that explains a, a place or a thing or why we're doing a thing, um, like the like the rift generator thing um, or the blind well. Like I I love seeing that. I love seeing an explanation, uh, storytelling wise, as to why I am doing a thing, and that level of storytelling has been more inter- uh, uh, integrated into the gameplay, uh, such as like going through dungeons and going through raids and stuff like that. You're, you're getting stories told to you as you're going through these things. And, and I love that. I love that destiny is doing that more. Like I'm not going to say that's, that will someday make our podcast irrelevant because they still come out with lore tabs on, on <laughs> gear and guns and lore entries. So, uh, Please keep doing that, Bungie, so we don't go out of crud out of content. <laughs> well, I, I don't think there's ever gonna they're ever gonna make deep lore dives irrelevant. Um, I think what they've been doing a very good job of lately, and I hope they continue, is that the 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 story that is on the surface that is at the forefront of the events happening in game is much more accessible is much more understandable because we're seeing it play out in front of us. Yeah. Not having to go through and read and and try and piece things together, but they still have those kind of deeper, uh, lore connections that you can still do that with. Good example being, uh, this whole season and even last season with Keitel and the cabal and callous yeah and you can understand the main motivations going on there from the different characters but you don't really get a sense for what callous has done and what he has um like what callous feels he has lost and what keitel feels she has lost from their relationship without doing a little more diving in like sure. he, the Absolutely. surface level stuff is is fine and is a really good story but there's so much more, you know, there's so much more meat to it if you really like want to dive into those cards. And I'm I like that approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, again, thank you for your kind words. Uh what which user was that? That was Whiskey. Thank you, Whiskey. Um, I say one one last one here. Uh this is coming to us from uh the PC gamer Twilight yet again. Uh it mentioned that the last episode we had talked about uh, Siva and if we thought it would return. Um, and they're, they're hoping it does because apparently they really enjoyed Wrath of the Machine. Uh, I have some thoughts on this. <laughs> I'm of the opinion there's no way Siva does not return at some point. Uh, I don't know if it'll be next season, but I think if, if it's not, it will be the season immediately after. Full-on prediction for me, next season is Siva and Rasputin. And we're getting Wrath of the Machine back. Everyone, everyone, everyone in every community is convinced that we are getting Taken King back. That it makes the most sense. And in my mind, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense for Taken King to ever come back. As cool and as fun as King's Fall was, we killed Oryx. That was his throne world. His throne world was tied to the Dreadnought. We killed the Taken King in his throne world. He is dead. I think Siva makes the most sense because Siva, obviously Rasputin, trying to get rebuilt. Anna's trying to put him back into an Exo and all that stuff. 
we even called Anna at the end of the Witch Queen or at the end of the Exotic Glaive Quest and was like, hey, what about this secret settlement? Da 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 da. And she was like, yeah, I even checked Rasputin's repository. It's not there. There's nothing even mentioned. And the only one that could wipe that would be Rasputin himself. So there's something there that blah, 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 blah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I full on think, and, and like what Myth predicted for last, for, or for the current season was that with, with Solar, we're going to get something Cabal related and something Callus related. And, and Myth hit that one on the nose. And so I'm following my instincts here and saying that because of because of Rasputin being this, you know, electronic entity, this AI, this war mine, um that kind of ties in with with arc and, and electricity and so that's that's kind of my logic. Arc is arc is for sure like that's the last subclass we have to get 3.0'd and that's going to happen next season. We already know that's a fact. To me that says Siva Rasputin next season. Uh, let's see here. Where's it going to take place? Where would it take place? As far as the season itself? Yeah, we haven't come um, up with a location. I mean, if it's SIVA-based, the Plague Lands. Oh, we might get the Plague Lands back. Ooh. Yeah, get the Plague Lands back. Because, I mean, we have the Cosmodrome. Uh, good, it would just be attaching point. the Plague Lands to, to the Cosmodrome map. That's true. Um, I mean, you you did the whole prediction with this season with the moon. Like, like... I cannot believe how spot on you were with all your predictions for the current season. The other most likely spot, if it's Siva related, would be Mars. Now that Mars is back, sure. Um, you know, reinvestigating Rasputin's original home, for yep. lack of a better term, um, and the Braytech facility there and and whatnot. I could see it go in that direction too. Would we? Would um, we possibly have anything on Europa? Is there is there any? I would love if that were the case because of uh, because of the Bray connection, right? Like that would be the other connection, right? Something tells me probably not. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't think so either. I'm I I like the idea of the plague land thing or Mars. Yeah i i would I would love for it to be Europa, um, but I just I don't think they're gonna bring back. They, I guess the Cosmodrome isn't really a new location, but I, I just I don't feel like they're gonna want to tell people to go back to Europa for, uh, you know, another season where I feel like most of Europa is kind of explored at this point. Sure, um, underutilized in some areas, absolutely, but it wouldn't feel like you're discovering new things, really. Right. Unless I mean, unless they just did something crazy with like, it, like the, Levi- the, the the Leviathan itself coming back being an explorable space, like that we're we're able to go explore it as a new space with all the all the egregore on it, all the darkness stuff, right. the nightmares, all that stuff. So I think like as far as like a new space, I think you're right. Plaguelands to me seems like the Plaguelands or Mars, one of the two, seems the most viable. And if it's gonna be no. if it's gonna be Rasputin related. Mars obviously is is the go to for that. Um, if it's going to be and and the whole thing with Mars coming back is like it has like tears in in itself in in its timeline where it's like parts of parts of Mars is remembering the way Mars used to be before the before the collapse. And so I'm curious if there's like parts of Mars that remembers what it used to be when the when the AI war mine thought that it was God and that you know it it's the greatest thing ever. Um, 
there could be some really cool things they do with that where um maybe maybe have big sections of the map and as you're like going through the Braytech facilities depending on you know you walk through a door and you're in the past version of that room Dude. and then you walk through the other door and you're in the the present version or or maybe there's multiple different past versions that you could go through like they could do some oh really cool God, stuff that with that concept awesome <laughs> i'm i'm all about time travel i back to the future is the greatest trilogy in the history of trilogies uh time travel is awesome i would love that thank you pc pc gamer P- pc gamer is that who it was yep pc pc gamer twilight pc gamer twilight thank you so needless to say i i think siva is happening whether it be sooner or later we'll see but it's definitely happening and we don't have to wait long to know because this Thursday, as of the recording of this, uh, they will be announcing in the TWAB what the next raid is. So that will tell us all we need to know. I'm, I telling, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Wrath of the Machine. Like the other part that makes sense to me for Wrath is that it was the least played and visited raid in all of Destiny 1. Like it came out and then like six months later, they're like, Destiny 2, boom. And so everyone's like, oh, well, screw this game. I'm going to Destiny 2. I I think it's Wrath. I think it's Wrath. I think it's Siva. I think it's Rasputin. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little passionate well, right now. Time will tell. Uh, yes, time will tell. Oh, I see what you did there, like a whole time traveling thing. All right, well, I guess I got to give a thank you. Uh, let's see here. Who who have I? Oh, I've got a perfect thank you. Uh, thank you to the three greatest tech witches in the history of tech witches. Uh, that being Kali, Shirochi, and Sadia. You're the best. Even if we almost kind of try and kill you a couple times. Hey, it's it's fine. It's fine. We The only way we can heal people is with our guns because we don't have fingers. <laughs> Guardians only heal with bullets and grenades. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh we can heal with grenades now too, can't we? You should only be and guns. bullets if yeah. you're using Lumina. Yeah, now, now we can do both. There you go. Well, then from all of us lore nerds to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week.